Хей, Том! Привет, Стив! Ребята, я надеюсь, у вас получится отличное шоу. Вы же всегда заставляете меня смеяться. Welcome, everybody, to Masters of Profundication. I'm Tom with them. I'm Steve Piles. And we'd like to welcome you to our podcast. Uh, those of you who are fighting off Hurricane Irma, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Good luck to you. Good don't luck. die. Or if you listen to this, I guess you didn't die, so congratulations. <laughs> yes. Our friends yeah. in Florida. We have a couple of listens in Florida, so... So for all five of you, you better stay alive, because uh, <laughs> our, our listenership in Florida is going to take a nosedive if something happens. Stay alive and keep an internet connection. That's what I got to tell you. They're closing Disney World for two days because of the what? hurricane. Yeah. Bullshit. Disney World does not close for anything except 9-11 and there's one other thing. I think it's closed twice ever. When there's a power outage, you think I save the generators for Walt's head? I bet it closes for that. <laughs> it's like, we, we got a choice. We can keep the park open or we can keep Walt's head refrigerated. We're going to keep Walt's head refrigerated. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> You're going to have to go home. Walt says the most important thing on the planet. No, uh, I, I don't know why, but there's only only two other times. I know 9-11 was one of them. Probably. That makes sense. Yeah, and, but they're closing. Closing. Well, also makes sense. If you're going to drown somebody, you know, if somebody's going to drown, they don't want to drown in the happiest place on Earth because that's just too that's much irony. That's where I want to drown. If I have no, to drown, I want to die a poetic death. That's terrible. That's, I want to die to... on It's a Small World. <laughs> Splash Mountain. <laughs> Ooh. Hey. Hey. Um, well, there's another one coming behind it, right? Jose or something. Jose, yeah. And like all these people are like out of their minds about these hurricanes, and it's like, hey, everybody, it's it's peak hurricane season. Happens every year. <laughs> well, they don't... just it's getting worse and worse, though. Just saying. I highly doubt it's global warming. I'm almost certain it's a conspiracy by liberals. It's a conspiracy by liberal Chinese. <laughs> I read what it that. is. I read, uh, oh my God, people are so insane. I uh, <clears throat> Rush Limbaugh, I guess, said it's a liberal conspiracy. <laughs> Hurricanes? <laughs> yeah. Those damn liberals and their weather machines. And uh, Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> said that it's, um, it's uh, because of Trump. Oh, nice. Jennifer Lawrence blamed that it's revenge from the planet because America elected Donald Trump president. See, now I kind of like Jennifer Lawrence, so I'm really hoping that's tongue in cheek. But knowing Hollywood starlets, I can't say that for a certainty. Yeah. I would not say that with confidence. She said it. Well, okay. I take it back. The internet told me she said it. Well, I mean, she probably did say it. that's the thing. You like, was it a joke? <laughs> or was she, is, she, is she that batshit crazy? <laughs> we get hurricanes in Maine every once in a while. We get they... snow. Well, I mean, we had a hurricane. I can't remember what it was. A couple years ago, I think two years ago, we had a hurricane that missed landfall and it kind of just came up the coast and hit us. But by the time hurricanes hit us, they're not really hurricanes. They're, I mean, I guess they still call them hurricanes, but it's weird. It's the hurricane. I love that kind of shit. I don't know. Like, I'm a, I'm weird. I love massive weather events. (laughs) See, I, I, I can appreciate them for the interesting thing that they are as long as they don't have to deal with them. Like, so, like, you know, in Maine, we don't get, for the most part, the hurricanes or the earthquakes. We just get massive blizzards. But well, yeah, we all get things ice being storms. equal. Ice yeah. But all things being equal, I've never had to evacuate the state because of a uh, blizzard coming in, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, like, 
I don't obviously don't like the things that come with the natural disasters, but I love like I I really wish I were like a tornado chaser or something. Oh yeah, yeah. Just to be in the presence of something that's bigger than you, you know, like something that is like, eh, I'm just going to smush you, puny human. I have a cousin that after Twister came out, she was dead serious about becoming a meteorologist so she could be a tornado chaser. <laughs> just to be a tornado. I, oh, yeah. Uh, my wife work out. My, my wife is, she knows a tornado chaser, like a professional. He has the TV show. I was just saying, because how do you get paid doing that? Like, who pays you? Well, but if you got a TV show. The Learning Channel does. The but Learning Channel. So they sandwich tornado chasing in between teenage pregnancies and, you know, my life as a naked backwoods hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's uh, just the Learning Channel. How to build a big cake and piss off your future bridezilla. I don't I don't know. <laughs> While you cook uh, to an iron chef. Yeah, but I would, I love, like, that kind of stuff. Huge, massive events. I love lightning and, like, the bigger the thunder boomer, the better. And obviously power is important but i like it i like it when there's a big storm and the power goes out for not long enough to thaw everything in my freezer but well long you know it's fun and i haven't done this since i was like pretty young but like it's a driving pouring rain outside do you like to take your shoes off and run through puddles well just go out and just going out in the rain like put a bathing suit on and just go out in the rain it's like a big outdoor shower you know <laughs> I don't have to take a shower today. I sit outside Yay! the rain. I remember being at a a camp, like a big camp meeting. It was called. It's just whatever. It's a, it was a religious thing. But me and my brother and my friend, it was like really, really super rainy out, and we're like we can't do anything anyway. So we all just kind of ran out in the rain for a couple hours and got soaked. But you know, once you consign yourself to the fact that you're going to get wet, just treat it like you're going to the water park or taking a swim, and you're fine. It's cool. It's it's great. You just play out in the right. rain. It's like sitting in the middle of the aisle at 50 shades of gray in the movie theater yeah you know you're gonna get wet you, you're gonna get wet the first five rows will get wet <laughs> you know you will contribute to the wetness because it's the gray um, mommy porn <laughs> and not the kind of mommy porn i usually mommy watch porn. <laughs> isn't that a category on youporn.com it's gotta be <laughs> milfs or something i don't i mean what's that it's a. Uh, Madams, I like to fondle. Madams, miss. Mademoiselle, I like to fontanelle. So, wait, that's the correct term. Anyways, tell me what games you're playing right now. Ooh, I I've been playing the XCOM Two expansion. XCOM Two. Two. It's actually that's a really cool. If you like strategy games, turn based, you know, not fast click action games, but really well done, really strategic games. XCOM and XCOM Two are fine examples of the genre. So yes, that's that was been consuming my time for the last week. There was a a game I played probably in ninety seven, ninety eight, um, a bridge too far, and it was uh, close combat. I think was the name of it. Close combat, a bridge too far, hmm. um, and basically what it was was you were looking down on a an animated map of a World War Two battlefield type with buildings and bridges and roadways, and it was. Not like really, really super awesome graphics, but it was more detailed than just looking at like Google Maps. And you were in control of um, squads, platoons, companies, you know what I mean? You you basically right. had control and you would click like on the troops. Every troop was an individual and you could assign individual orders. You could assign orders to an entire squad. You could, you know, and it was a strategy, you know, it, it wasn't turn-based per se. Yeah, it's probably... What you call real time strategy? So, like yeah. StarCraft or something like that? 
Yes, but I didn't. You didn't need to manage resources or anything like that. You basically wow. had to. You had to click on your units and tell them where to go. And if you had stationary units like mortars or something like that, you could tell them where to fire their mortars and and things like that. But what was really cool was each individual uh, soldier had a name, had a per, you know, was <laughs> somebody. You know what I mean? And you would click on them and they, you'd tell them like, go into this building. You'd click on them and then click on the building to go into it. And there might be 20 Germans in there. You don't know. But as soon as your guy entered the building, the roof of the building would disappear and you you could actually see in the building. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, the, the point of it was to maneuver through battlefields, whether it was a urban setting or whether it was trench, you know what I mean? And you'd you'd have to move your units through a lot of, people get killed <laughs> like as soon as somebody died it would put you know next to their name it would put like killed in action killed in action killed in action and it so you got to know your troops it, and then it you'd was say, eh, you're gonna go sad. die buddy yeah it was a sad thing but it was fun because <clears throat> i remember this one campaign i was playing and i i was losing people left and right uh but i had this one guy that i was sending all over the place and he was like on god mode he like <laughs> He would enter a building and there'd be like 12 Germans and he'd machine gun them all, you know, not all at once, of course, because he'd have to go. He'd clear the building and then I'd be, wow, good job, guy. And so I'd send him into another building and he'd like slaughter a whole bunch of Germans. And then like he never died. (laughs) Like, I think he finally did. I think I sent like I got to the end of the town and I think a sniper took him out or something like that but that's tragic yeah it was it was a real tragedy story because i mean this guy was literally killing it he was just going (laughs) crazy like all his buddies his squad mates that i'd kind of left behind because i what my strategy was you know poor little fellas is i used to send like one guy into a building and if i could send one guy into a building it would light you know it take the roof off and i'd be able to see what's going on in there and if there were a lot of germans i could you know bum rush the building but this one guy was usually like fodder and i'd send them in and normally they'd get killed i mean they'd walk into a building sometimes there were no germans and you could use that as a place to you could place a sniper and then you know pick off See, germans that way yeah. was it always germans they did like throw italians to the mix just because i mean come on yeah they were no they were because you would you would um nobody wants to kill italians well i mean somebody somewhere wants to kill an italian i guarantee it in the mob maybe but no um <laughs> you, you could control british it was it Koopa. Was, Bowser wants to kill Italians. Boom, there it is. Uh, I suppose. But does he really? Isn't it like the Joker Batman, like Bowser needs Mario and Mario <laughs> needs Bowser? He just kind of wants to kidnap the princess. Doesn't really want to do much more. Yeah. He's just looking for some attention. Anyway, this uh, this one guy made it all the way through. I say? He was a good guy. <laughs> Poor PFC, whatever his name was. <laughs> I still weep for him to this day. You get You make an attachment to your characters. Like this XCOM game, if your character, if your players die, your characters, your troops, they you die, die in they real die. life. That's right. Somebody comes to your, they kick that, they kick down your doors. <laughs> yeah, you should have read the fine print. That sounds like Another an 80s. Quickly, I accept Fox before you read it. <laughs> that sounds like an eighties horror movie. Yeah, you, you die in the video game. You die in real life. There's probably there's got to be an eighties horror movie that's about that. I mean, there's an eighties horror movie about if you listen to heavy metal, you're gonna open up a gate to hell. So there's definitely about. Evil uh, video games. I'm pretty sure every time I listen to heavy metal, I open up a portal to hell. I I think that's a every single time. It, it yeah, actually gets pretty annoying. When it happens to me, it's some demon looks through and says, "Oh, it's fucking you again." Never mind. I think closes back <laughs> up and <laughs> it's it's kind of downer, but I guess it works yeah. out. I don't know. 
Oh, this guy. We're not going into his apartment. Look at it. We told you before, we're not taking you. Stop calling us. (laughs) Everything is covered in semen. Like, literally (laughs) everything is covered in semen. Clean up your little place a bit. Put some pants on. Maybe we'll... (laughs) Maybe we'll take your soul. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to keep the demons at bay. Always have your pants off. That's pants what I. That's what I'm all about. What else is for going multiple on? Multiple reasons. Demons only being one of them. You and Kramer. Me and Kramer have our pants off. Yeah, Kramer. And remember the episode of Seinfeld when they remove their pants and they hang them up. Oh well, he Kramer had underwear on. I mean, oh, well, <laughs> you know, I yeah. So some some similarity some the similarities aren't really that pervasive, but I won't go into detail. <laughs> there were a lot of Seinfeld, a lot of Kramer episodes dealing with his nether regions. Yeah, where he went commando. Went commando. I'm out there and I'm loving it. So there's nothing between you and <laughs> Don't you see what's happening here? <laughs> but didn't he also have a uh get a shtick where he was putting his pants in the oven or something to warm him up? He was making salads in the shower. <laughs> there there have been a couple of shower episodes one where he's cooking in the shower and the other one where he gets the elephant uh shower nozzle because of the pressure oh right 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 <laughs> can't have the low flow man you know the low flow screwing up his hair <laughs> <laughs> it's all flat <laughs> show well that show is strangely enough on a list of some of the best sitcoms ever created seinfeld I looked this up according to Paste Magazine because if you're going to have a comedy, you can't have a good comedy without rating it, without listing it against uh-huh. other comedies. Otherwise, how do you know it's good? I see what you did there. Which, uh-huh. uh, when we talked about doing this, the very first thing that popped in my head was Seinfeld. See, that was the second thing. The first thing that popped in my head was Arrested Development just because it's been forefront of my thoughts for the last week or so for some reason. The, uh, the thing that popped into my head is, could you make a Seinfeld movie? Could they have done a movie? I would say no. Well, I mean, never say never, I guess. But like every Seinfeld, this is the genius of Seinfeld because every episode was, they had at least a couple of disparate storylines that would intertwine and intersect by the end of the show. So you had to hit the steps, you know, the slow build up before they got to the point where those, you know, different storylines. Like I always think of the one where Kramer was um, doing the bottle scam. Yeah, that's one of the best ones. Yeah, and then it had to intersect with a completely separate storyline where jerry's mechanic was too into his car it stole it yeah it stole it steals the car and takes off and starts tossing the clubs but at elaine elaine had to had, get for jane peterman that's right in the auction storylines all come together by the end of that show yeah and you had no idea you had no way to see where it was coming from yep god and that dude. was the genius of it that was like that was like the best example of it i think absolute genius <laughs> so that's that's what makes the best that comes in my mind are the subtle builds up the subtle buildups where, and that's in case anybody has figured out, that's what our topic today is comedies, not sitcoms per se, but comedy in general. Comedy in general. And um, let's see, there are many, many, many different forms of comedy. And I think that things that are funny are different for every person. Oh, yeah. So everybody has to every, Everybody gets a chuckle out of something different. So I think for our purpose here, we're, we should concentrate on the things that are universally funny, things that are Seinfeld. critically acclaimed, <laughs> uh, successful in the form of makes makes money. Um, well, see, that's something I was looking at. Critically acclaimed and universally funny are not necessarily the same thing. True. Yeah. I, I mean, critics suck. Well, but... I found these two lists, like, and I, not to go with them 
uh, the hell? That was weird. Uh, two lists, like the BBC asked actual professional critics what the uh, 100 greatest comedies of all time were. Mm-hmm. And then Rolling Stone did a, um, this is for movies, it did a list on readers poll of the funniest movies of all time. And there's some intersection, but for the most part, it's all over the place between oh. professional critics and readers of Rolling Stone. Consum- yeah, consumers, readers of Rolling Stone, which is like, you know, middle America. You know, Rolling Stone is not like a niche type of publication. Anybody reads that, you know, it's not highbrow, lowbrow. It's just kind of there. So readers of Rolling Stone is just, it's the median for the entire country, really. Right. And it's it's crazy how different. I, I feel like if you're a critic, you you need to show your chops by saying some kind of esoteric, little known comedy from the 50s to show, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. You know, this popular stuff, they... They're just consumers. I'm the one that appreciates it for what it is. Right. Like, let me, I'll, I'll tell you the top 10 of the critics one, the BBC list. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there looking at this going, are you fucking kidding me? But number 10 is a movie called The General. Never heard of it. Yeah. From 1926. Buster Keaton, who I've heard of, but I couldn't tell anything about him. Right. That's number 10. So that tells you something right there. The number nine is, uh, this is Spinal Tap. Okay. I, I've actually never I've seen that one personally. I always mean to, but. I get that one. The number eight is Playtime from 1967. Never heard of it. Nope. Number seven is Airplane. So I guess they're not all bad because Airplane is fucking hilarious. It is. And then number six is Life of Brian. What's once again, pretty solid. And the number five is Duck Soup, which I believe is a Marx Brothers movie, but I'm not sure. I believe it is. Yeah. Never saw it. Number four is Groundhog Day, which is pretty good, but I would never in a million years put a number four. Nope. Number three is Annie Wood. Which I would have a hard time putting any Woody Allen movie in <laughs> top fifteen, top twenty. I don't know. I think Woody Allen's a very, very rarefied taste. Yeah. Uh, number two is Doctor Strangelove. Yes. Which I never actually saw. I've, I've heard of over and over again, but I never actually saw it. Stanley Kubrick, nineteen sixty four. Yeah, I I know I haven't watched the whole thing. I remember uh, a friend of mine from way back tried desperately to get me to watch it, and we sat down and watched it once, and. Um, I think I found it boring and he was mad that I thought it was boring. <laughs> so we didn't finish it, but we got a fight. <laughs> we got both black eyes. So we couldn't watch it. Well, but you know how it goes, you know, like, yeah, I, no, exactly. If, if I think that this is the greatest thing in the world, then you have to think it's the greatest thing in the world. And if you yeah, don't, you're insulting you're... me by not agreeing with me. Right. And I just think that it went that way. That's, but... uh, I can't think of any examples where I've done that. Cause usually, I don't know. Nobody's ever grabbed me and sat me down and said, you got to watch this movie. And I'm sitting there going, this is terrible. I, I, I'm i sure it's happened, but nothing comes to mind. Yeah. Well, that's uh, Number I'm one, saying. Some Like It Hot. Huh. Which I believe is a Marilyn Monroe movie. Where? What list is this one? This is BBC's. They they pulled like 250 critics. Yeah. Like professional critics. Well, the, the Brits are different, too. Well, these are not all British movies, though. That's the thing. So these are, and I, I don't think they kept it to British critics, either. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that I suppose. But it's a BBC publication. You can't trust. Them. Yeah. No, well, I'm, yeah. no, they're always they, they're always up to something shady. But their brand of humor is definitely different. It's a it's a different type of humor. Well, sure, but I mean, like I said, I don't think these were just British critics. I think they reached out to professional critics, American and British. Like this is obviously not like French critics or German critics or something like that. I think this is going to be like English speaking you know, familiar with Western American or British comedy. Yeah. Because there's nothing in there that's some kind of like under the radar French thing 
you know, nothing like that was on the list. Right. That was not on the top part of the list. Right. But looking at the Rolling Stones one, this is telling because I agree with like every goddamn, like just the top 10 of the Rolling okay. Stones one. Go ahead. Number 10, Naked Gun. Yep. Which I would put higher. In fact, I, th- as time goes on, I think that might be my favorite comedy ever. I, I'm not sure. Sometimes it drops a little bit, but I love that movie so much. Uh, number nine is Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I I agree with that. I want to say that a lot of those Jim Carrey movies from that era, you could probably lump all in together. Because <laughs> yeah. Ace Ventura, for sure, Ace Ventura... I, I had to go see it in the movie theater multiple times because there were just too many scenes that I missed because I laughed so hard. There's, I mean, it says right here, in 12-month period, Jim Carrey did Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber in, in one year. Yeah. So, like, he's, he sh- uh, 90, uh, 1994, 95, he shot b- to become, like, A-list comedy royalty. Yeah. And succeeded. <laughs> yeah. And then pretty much wrote on that for the rest of his career. I mean, he did some good stuff like Liar Liar, you know, whatever, but he those three movies is what made his entire career right there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number eight is Life of Brian, which I, is my favorite Monty Python movie. The Life of Brian is? Or did you say Holy Grail? No, Life of Brian. Oh. See, I, I, I'm opposite. Well, not opposite. I think Holy Grail is the best Monty Python than Life of Brian. I like, I like the Holy Grail. Holy Grail, but I, I love Life of Brian. I, maybe that's because that's actually the first Monty Python one I ever saw. Yeah. I, I don't, weirdly enough. Well, I was one of those people way back when that was insufferable about quoting Holy Grail. <laughs> I I certainly was the type of person that you'd you'd want to push off a cliff because I quoted almost included uh, a Holy Grail quote with everything I said. Holy crap. I okay. Well, I can't say anything. I'm, the, I'm that way with the Simpsons. So <laughs> that's exactly what I do all day, every day. Yeah. Like for every time I quote the Simpsons, I have like three instances where I keep my mouth shut. Believe it or not, <laughs> that tells you something right there. Yeah. What uh, else is on the n- list? Number seven is this is Spinal Tap. So crossover. Oh, I love Spinal Tap. And I still never seen that. I gotta watch oh. it. I keep telling myself I gotta it is, watch it. it. Like before the Office did the whole mockumentary thing. Mm-hmm. The, that group of people that did Spinal Tap did a whole bunch of mockumentaries that are they're kind of the same movie, but they're different. Like A Mighty well, Wind. And, I did yeah. see Best in Show, I thought, and I like that a lot. Yeah, and if you if you saw Best in Show and you liked it, you certainly would like Spinal Tap. However, they reuse a lot of gags. A, a lot of that. Yeah, sure. A lot of that mockumentary comedy from that group of people. Is kind of the same. So, yeah. but I highly recommend you watch This Is Spinal Tap. Very, very funny. It's, it's on the list of like classics that I got to get around to watching and I've never done. Only advice I'd give you about watching it is it's dated now. It's, oh, it's sure. quite a bit dated, but still, it's really, really good. Really, really good. You know what the guys from Spinal Tap appeared in as Spinal Tap? Uh, the Simpsons. The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, gotcha. We gave praise to you, our deflated Dark Lord. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's a good episode anyway uh number six is caddyshack yeah solid that is right there right in my wheelhouse and that's harold ramus which i did not realize i don't know why um i don't know if this will be happy or sad for you but number five is young frankenstein no i i wouldn't expect that to be on other people's top threes or top fives i it's it, top five. yeah it's it's very very funny for me but i think a lot of the things that make me love young frankenstein are its sentimentality sentimental sentimentality mm-hmm. Sent- is that a word the scintillating sentimentality 
if yes. it's not a word, it's a word now. It's very sentimental. It, it sentimentalization. Sentimental. Sentiment. Yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> there we go. Uh, uh, number four is Animal House. Yeah, which I always loved. I, I don't know if I'd ever, I personally put a number four. Number three is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So everybody agrees with you. <laughs> yes, Apparently. everybody does. I win. They put that one above Life of Brian. Whatever. <laughs> uh, number two is Airplane. Yep. Which I love, but I would not put that above Naked Gun. Yeah, it, same style. I mean, just d- some different jokes, different setting, but same style. Yeah. And uh, number one, dun, da, 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 Blazing Saddles. Of course. That that makes perfect sense to me. I so love that, Blazing and that's Saddles. The list, that's what I'm getting at. That's the list that you and me, and I guarantee you, like 99% of the people listening to this, that's we're all sitting there going, yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. Whereas that critics list, I'm like, what? What? Yeah. So I don't like what's what's so funny about these things that they put at the top over something that you can have true belly laughs. Like I've seen parts of Some Like a Hot and I was just like, like, I remember my mom and dad liked it. And I was just like, eh, all right. I never watched the whole thing, but it's like it's worth a chuckle, I guess. It, But it's I, I don't know. Well, let me see. Let me I'm going to let's go to where the money is. OK, OK, let's go to box office mojo and look and see what's making the money. Comedy is broken down into more categories than I think any other that I've seen. Really? Um, as far as genres go, <clears throat> there are more sub subgenres of comedy than the other genres that I've seen. Uh, and I'm just going to, I'll rip through them. There, some of them will make sense to you. Some of them you'll be like, what? But <clears throat> uh, comedy, Arrested Development. Not necessarily the TV show, but the type, the, the style of Arrested Development. Uh, if you need... Wait, me- so- on box office mojo that's its own category comedy arrested development not arrested development as the tv show arrested development as in there's something that is happening in this movie that is like a failure to launch type of oh you know, okay okay yeah. uh let me let me just read you the top five i'll go top three because top five from this category or in general yeah comedy arrested development is ted big daddy grown-ups you see what i'm saying I'm I'm talking oh, about man boy so like, care. You yeah, know. man child type of thing. Okay, yeah, I yeah. man boy, mother, oh, mother boy, mother boy, mother boy. <laughs> Speaking of Arrested Development, okay, so <clears throat> Arrested Development, body switch, bumbling, college, dark, fat mm. suit. Yes, fat suit gets its own category. Fish <laughs> oh, out of fish out of water, father. Oh wow, subcategory category. Uh, God, high school, music. R-rated youth, road trip, sequel, <laughs> spoof, spy, what if, remake. Okay, so of those sub sub of those <laughs> sub genres, the category that has the most movies under it, and this won't be a surprise, is R-rated youth. See now to backtrack a little bit, I I think the last time you listed this box box office mojo categories, I had a bone to pick because this one I'm like sequel is its own category. Yes, that's dumb. You're like you should take it. That's like a designation, not a category. You should take it for what's content. So if it's a sequel, but it's still a fat suit movie, which still makes me laugh. But uh, well, well, to defend Box Office Mojo, they are trying to tell you what's making the money. Okay, I just so the idea that Naked Gun would be one category, but Naked Gun Two would have to be a separate category because it's a sequel. It doesn't necessarily have to be a separate category per se but they've given it a category to tell you which sequel made the most money do you, do you know oh, what i mean okay. it's, it's like a cross-reference type of thing it's it's totally it's not like 
comedy sequel is a genre, a subgenre. It's comedy sequel is of all the comedy sequels, these ones made the most money. Let me. So, let me, so like one movie can be in multiple of these categories. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like uh, big. I think big shows up a couple times in different like. Uh, but anyway, let me let me go through like the top five of the sequels. Uh, Meet the Fockers, The Hangover Two, Rush Hour Two, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, Twenty Two Jump Street. Mm. Then like Men in Black Two. Um, oh, let's let me so go to just like the highest grossing in general type of thing. Or no, they don't have an overall comedy. Um, just comedy as is. The I can I can tell you what it is. They. They have all the subgenres listed out with the top grossing total on the right hand in the right hand column. So mm. I can I can tell you right now what the highest grossing comedy is. It's disappointing, so I don't want to say it. <laughs> oh man, now I gotta hear it. Despicable Me Too. Oh well, I mean I can't mm. I can't say anything about that. I've never seen it, but well, I am vaguely disappointed. Yeah, I mean they're calling it's it's a comedy. It is a comedy. There's no way about it. Sure, but it belongs sure. it belongs in the um fish out of water father category. <laughs> so now is there a fish out of water mother? Nope. Cuz a mom's always dead. In all these <laughs> movies the mom dies. They yeah. always kill off a mom. So, let's go right to where let's go to the R-rated youth, okay? The most comedy movies are listed under this category, R-rated youth. And let's think about it for a second. I well, for one, R-rated youth. I don't know what youth means other than the fact that it's made for people that have uh, a mindset that is of a child. <laughs> because oh, anywhere from ten to one hundred. Yeah. Well, for all intents and purposes, it just means R-rated. Sure. R-rated comedies. Okay, has the most movies, and the top five is terrible. Oh yeah. It's not terrible, but it's not. I guess it's just nothing that. I thought it's not what I thought it would be. The number well, one. Before you say anything, when I think of R-rated youth movies, I immediately think of Animal House or Porky's. Yes. Or American Pie. Yep. Now um, something like that. Yes, and that's when I start listing off the top five. You're gonna know where I'm coming from. The okay. number one R-rated comedy movie is The Hangover. Well, okay. I mean, I once again, I that was pretty funny. I number one. I, I don't know. Well, this of course, this is not based on a claim. This is not based on reviews. This is based on cash money. Yeah, and that's why. Like, so if I'm like disagreeing with it, I'm saying I'm disparaging for the population because yeah. why did everybody pay that much to see this movie? That's not the best. You want to know what num- <laughs> you want to know what number two is? Uh, I'm afraid at this point. The Hangover Two. Oh, <laughs> it was so fucking bad. It was just like okay, The Hangover made money. We'll do the exact same thing, but putting in Bangkok yep. or whatever the fuck it was. I didn't even bother seeing the third one because I was so disappointed by the second one. Yeah, The Hangover and The Hangover 2 are the number one and number two top grossing R-rated comedies. Number three is Wedding Crashers. Really? Yeah. I mean, I liked it, but damn. $209 million domestic. People are idiots. 20, <laughs> 22 Jump Street. There's something about Mary. Bridesmaids. Scary movie. Neighbors. Knocked up. That Seth Rogen joint. Yeah. Uh, American Pie 2, National Lampoon's Animal House. Thank you. 21 Finally, Jump Street. Yeah. yeah. Super bad. Jackass 3D. Porky's. The 40-Year-Old Virgin. American Wedding. American Pie. Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa. Okay. So, top grossing, what does this say? Of R-rated comedies, top grossing, 
there's something, especially in the top three, four, there's something about those movies that people want to go see. I, like they're easily translatable. Like they're not, you don't have to dwell on them or think about them. They're just throwing jokes at you. Yeah. They're, they're jokes coming fast and they're situations. I think that people can not necessarily would find themselves in. Of course, they're bonkers situations, but like wedding crashers, that's a thing crashing a wedding. And it's these two guys. I think it's Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn. Yeah. And they, I remember liking the movie, but yeah, certainly, I mean, nothing wrong with it. But like The Hangover, it's a Vegas buddy trip uh-huh. that goes wrong, and the jokes are really funny. Um, Wedding Crashers, uh, Twenty Two Jump Street. Uh, I I couldn't tell you anything about that movie. I never saw it, and I didn't see the first one either. That's uh, uh, the kid from Superbad. Yeah, no. And Magic uh, Mike, Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum, and Jonah Hill. Yeah. Uh, there's something about Mary. Um, Bridesmaids, bridesmaids, wedding crashers. Um, they're they're. I'm not calling them the same movie, but like bridesmaids is the same thing as wedding crashing crashers in the sense mm-hmm. that people have bridesmaids and they do ridiculous things. I mean, you don't have a lot of Naked Gun style ridiculousness in this, right? I mean, obviously it is. It is. It is ridiculous. If you watch The Hangover, it's a like. N- None of those things are plausible. See, now this is what I, I wanted to ask you. In your opinion, what makes, what is the element, what's the thing that makes a comedy good? Like, what what sets a what's a, what sets a bad comedy apart from a mediocre comedy, apart from a, what you consider to be the best comedy ever? Like, what element is there? Highbrow humor. Highbrow. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, what I mean by what makes me chuckle is the movies of today are really not doing it. Like yeah. 22 Jump Street, I think is pretty recent. Um, like Worth super, it. super bad, and The Hangover. Uh, let's see what else is on here. The 40 year old virgin. Um, old school comes in at 22. Uh, Road Trip. Uh, Deuce Bigelow. Um, Edge of the Nerds, number 33. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the, like those movies, really funny, but I'm not seeking them out. I'm definitely not seeking them out i'm not making it a point to see those yeah what those are I the ones th- we're gonna go to the theater to see what i think is funny is tv shows like seinfeld and arrested development that like sneak jokes in and you've got to be in the know you have to know what the fuck's going on in order to think mm-hmm. it's funny because like the cornballer in arrested development is funny on the surface but it comes up over and over and over in a way that it it's like like the snowball effect. It's a snowball rolling down the hill, and it's collecting a cornball effect. Eh. <laughs> a cornball, but I mean, it's it's like collecting on top of itself the whole time, and at the very end, it's this huge joke that's funny as shit, and it delivers. Like that's what I think is funny. I like Seinfeld. They make references sometimes in the same episode, sometimes four or five episodes later, sometimes a season later. Like that kind of stuff is very funny to me. I'm not interested or so much interested in these funny movies that, you know, make you laugh out loud for a second and then you move on. Mm. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I just watched that the other day. I mean, that's supposed to be funny, and there are some things in it that are, like Drax is really funny and the way he, you know, talks to people. Right, right. You know, just very blunt, and they do that in a way that it's impressive that they get a joke out of it. But, like, 
I don't I don't like those twenty two jump streets or um there's a lot of like Sandra Bullock style miscongeniality like I am no longer at a point in my life where I'm seeking out that kind of comedy. I like right, exactly. I like the highbrow, multi layered long joke. Um and I I I say that and in one hand I love Zombieland. But that's a <laughs> mixture that's a mixture of genres. But that's the same thing. Like, you know, they're they're just doing ridiculous things to make me laugh. And it does make me laugh, but of course that there's more things to that than uh I'm trying to think of a couple of other things like the office on TV, mm-hmm. that, that TV show, the office, they, they do a great job of mixing ridiculous characters with ridiculous situations. Yeah. That's really funny to me. That's really, really funny. to me. Um, I like when normal people have to react to a ridiculous situation. Yes. And that's what, this is like, for me, that's what I've, I've, I've dwelt on this. Like why is something more funny than something else? And for me, I think I boiled down the essence to this. Comedy is ridiculousness. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's what it is, but you can't be just ridiculous for ridiculous sake. Like I'm not going to laugh at a clown. Right. Right. Like I've never, I've never in my life found clowns funny. You're like, Oh, that's, he's got big feet and a big red nose and a floppy hat. That's, that's just too obvious of ridiculousness to be funny. You have to have the contrast. So this is what I like. This is what I was thinking about. And I don't, it sounds weird, but bear with me. When I was in high school, there was this girl who was hot. <laughs> yes, let's talk about this. Mm, yeah, I wish I had more to say about it, but no. Uh, there's this girl, her name was Joyce. She was hot. One of the hottest girls in school. Hi, Joyce, if you're Hi. listening. Yeah, totally listening. I know you are. Steve and at single. one point, <laughs> come find me. Um, at one point, something happened and she got a little bit of a scar on her cheek. I, I can't uh, wait until you turn this funny because that's tragic. That's not, no, it's that's that's what I'm getting at though. It wasn't, it was just a little a little bit of a deformation, nothing. It wasn't a hideous scar. Something, some. I don't think it was flan. They're they're making flan or some shit like that. In Spanish class, and it blew up and it burned her cheek and it had a little discoloration on her cheek. That was it. Lawsuit. But uh, yeah, right. I know not. It was a Christian school, so we just prayed about it. It was fine. Um, okay. Yeah, but uh, but in my mind, that little that little deformation, that little change of contrast, made her way hotter because seeing that you know quote unquote flaw mm-hmm. set off how good looking the rest of her were like you could you could make that easy contrast right there like you've seen we've all seen a woman where you look at it's like yeah she's hot but she's like generic hot like you can't say anything <laughs> wrong with her but she looks just as hot as anybody else i just got this vision of you at the school in the hallway like standing behind a rubber fern like staring <laughs> at her going that's right when everybody's beautiful then nobody will be beautiful <laughs> Yeah, you know, and she didn't fall for it. It was weird. I was trying to be, you know, very profound. I like the scar. I'll give you another uh, one if you want. Oh, that was bad. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Joyce. I'm so sorry. She was really nice to you. It was bad. She was she she's the whole package. Anyways, um, but this is what I'm getting at is you need that contrast. So in comedy, you have to have ridiculous next to something that is mundane. Like you, like what makes comedy is a good straight man. The Michael Blues of the world are what makes everything else funnier. Yeah, I agree, a hundred percent. To a, to an extent, the Jerry Seinfelds are what makes everything funnier. Like he had his own ridiculous moments, right? Or maybe Elaine, I don't know. But his, you know, sort of normalcy is what set off George and Kramer, right? Or her, you know, you could, I don't know. I think I feel like they tossed the ball between uh, Elaine and uh, Jerry. But anyways, you see what I'm getting at. Like you have to have 
a normal situation with normal people doing ridiculous things. So the office, like the American version or the British version, which actually kind of better, you had a lot of, it was a mundane setting with what's supposed to be a mundane everyday things. And something very subtly was completely off the wall because it was very subtly completely off the wall. It was fucking hilarious. Like you can just imagine, like if I was in my, if I was in the office and this guy said something to, to this effect, I looked at them like they're crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so ridiculous. And that's why. So, like, I've got to the point where sitcoms that I liked when I was a kid that are more simplistic, I could watch now and be like, I don't I don't understand what I ever saw in this. Yeah. Well, those are the nostalgia goggles. Yeah. Well, no, the nostalgia goggles don't work on it anymore. Like, I look back at it now and I'm like, something like um, if I watch a rerun for, I don't know, Home Improvement, I don't think I would laugh again. Not like if I watch a rerun for Seinfeld or even Friends. Right. Are definitely not arrested development. Roger I used to love home improvement back in the day, but I really it's it's too obvious. It's too it's formulaic. Like said, it's, not, it's, it's 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 formulaic. You know the beats, you know what's gonna come. It's not gonna take you by surprise. That is absolutely one of the shows that if you're watching season three and a situation arises, you can pretty much you can mouth the words. Mm-hmm. You, you can say the lines before they come out of the actors' mouths. It's all yeah, they, they they hit their formula. They knew what worked in the first couple seasons, and they're just going to stick right to that. Yeah. They're never going to shake it up. They're never going to do something different. Well, and to switch gears a little bit, I did want to kind of clarify. For one, things that I always thought were funny in movies still play out as funny in my head. Like, like I name some of these movies that are ridiculous, that are stupid, and... Like, I'm not going to take anything away from them because I will absolutely laugh at some of the stupidest comedy on. Mm -hmm. But like Tommy Boy and some of those uh, old Adam Sandler movies and stuff like that, like they're funny. Those are funny movies and they're still funny in my head. And to some degree, I don't want to go back and rewatch them because they're still funny in my head. Uh huh. And I don't want to ruin that joke because if I go back and watch Tommy Boy right now and I start watching it and I'm thinking, God, this isn't funny. I don't want to ruin that. Because it's yeah, you, like the lines and, and I love quoting the lines and I love talking about those movies and I love laughing while thinking about those movies. But, you know, I really don't want to ruin those movies for myself by going if back. You, if you reexamine it and find out you don't like it anymore. Yeah. It's like you assassinated a part of your past. Yeah. It's like you took part of your spirit and just killed it off. Yep. Because you can never and, get back to it. Like if you feel like this isn't funny at all. Like, um. Alf, the TV, like I've mentioned that before, the TV show Alf. Yeah. I remember loving that when I was a kid. I went back and watched it a few years ago, like the first couple episodes. I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with me? What? This is not <laughs> even remotely funny. Yeah. And that that was a sad moment. Like, I can never look back fondly at that show because I've now ruined it for myself. Unless I get Alzheimer and forget that I watched it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like some of my favorite comedies from the 80s, I do, I have rewatched and they've become a part of me, like Fletch. Like, mm-hmm. I love that movie, The Great Outdoors. You know, there's there's a lot of 80s comedy that has become a part of me because I love the 80s, I guess. And that mm-hmm. is that that is part of the nostalgia goggles where I put them on. I watch an 80s movie. I feel like, you know, a kid again, or I, I remember my youth through those movies, not necessarily because of the jokes, because, I mean, some of some of the jokes are incredibly funny, um, but still like that there's a distinction now between what i think is funny in movies and what makes me laugh in like real life like i like this conversation we're having you know i can pick out 
uh, a ton of things. And when I'm editing this podcast and I'm re-listening to it and I get to the part of you talking about Joyce <laughs> and thinking about you standing <laughs> in the hallway, like the, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh out loud. Like <laughs> nobody else listening might think that's funny, but I'm going to uh, that's funny. I feel like I should re- apologize to Joyce. Like on the off one in a million chance that she listens to this or like somebody that knows her listens to this and tells her about it. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a stalker or a super creep. I know but, I am. I, I really wish I wasn't, but there it is. Yeah. Call, call me. You knew um, you were hot. You knew you were hot. You don't, don't act like you didn't know. Oh, wait. No, do act like it's more sexy when you think that when you act like you don't know. It's That's right. No, Um. but I guess what I'm trying to get at is like there are things that make me laugh now that not in cinema, not in um, not like uh Oh, the super ego podcast or the forgotten classics podcast. Mm-hmm. Like I can laugh at other things. I'm talking specifically movies and to some degree TV. I'll get into that a little bit later, but like movies now I found that I am a bit of a man child. Like I'm like my mentality for what I think is funny. And like some of the situations I put myself in the way I act, I absolutely act like a prepubescent boy, but, <laughs> but other than that, I've, I think I may have grown up past some of these funny moments. Like, I don't, I don't, it's not the simplicity of the jokes. It's just, it's how, if it's the simplicity of the setup, like if it's too telegraphed, too obvious too just by the beat, by the formula, it could be a very sophisticated joke or a very raunchy blue joke. It doesn't matter. It's going to fall flat if it's too formulaic, too obvious. That's why, and I hate to bring this up again because I feel like I avoided a beating, but I'm going to have to. I, I've really hesitated to poke the beast that is Spaceballs because I can recognize, I, I, I so thoroughly loved that movie when I was younger. And I can just say a kid because even into my you know, late teens, early 20s, I still would rewatch that and love it. And I'm confident that I would rewatch it now and love it, but I know that on paper, so much of that was exactly what I don't think is all that funny. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite genre of comedy is the, I don't even know what you call it, the farce. Your airplanes, your naked guns, your top uh, top secret, hot shot. I love these movies. The, you know, the, the just the ridiculous non sequitur, one thing leads to another, sight gags. Leslie Nielsen was the greatest comedic actor of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. Because he was the perfect straight man. He because was a straight man, wasn't he? Stupid, ridiculous things happened to him, and he just played it off like they were completely normal. And they, he just, yep, this is what happens. You know, right. like, and, like he wasn't, he wasn't all normal. He, like, he was almost an, an inept normal, like, yeah. like in, Inspector Clouseau, Pink Panther type of stuff. Yeah, he just stumbled like, into, he's going like, to wander around the baseball field of umpires, you know, into, umpire's uniform and have to like pat down every player that runs by he's going right. to sing the national anthem horribly because that's a situation he just somehow found himself in right and everybody's gonna look at him like what the fuck but then it's gonna pay off because later on he saves the queen and it's enrique palazzo and he saved the queen yeah oh i love that well um is this some kind of bust uh, yes it's very impressive but that's not why we're here <laughs> isn't there a scene what's the scene that's i think it's naked gun two and a half when he's outside the building and he's grabbing on to the the building like he was grabbing on to the no no that's the, uh, the architecture that's the first one. that is the first one and he grabs yeah, yeah. onto the woman's breasts yep yep is that the same scene where he's like now that's a bust is that am i re? no the I... one where is this some kind of bust was i think it was juliette lewis actually it was like a clerk at a gun shop or something and He's questioning her, and she's like, "Is this some kind of bust?" Oh, yes, that's very impressive, but that's not why we're here. Or something. <laughs> nice beaver. 
Yeah. <laughs> I just had it stopped. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a good movie. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with Blazing Saddles being number one because I feel like that that Mel Brooks is not the best humor. I, I don't I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but like Young Frankenstein, um, Blazing Saddles, I feel like his movies aren't for everyone, mm-hmm. but Blazing Saddles is for everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Blazing Saddle. Blazing Saddles is a standout um, of his movies. Let me see if I can. Yeah, that seems to be consistently rated as the top Mel Brooks movie. When people are listening to Mel Brooks stuff, like Blazing Saddles seems to be up there. Probably because it was, I mean, I hate to say this, but there was a, sh- a social statement about it too with the Black Sheriff and all that stuff. But Trying to find a list of his movies. But I mean, there's some of his stuff is like his brand. Silent mm-hmm. um, Movie, High Anxiety, History of the World Part 1. Like Spaceballs, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Dracula, Dead and Loving It. Like those types of movies are like you can watch those and pick out the fact that that's a Mel Brooks movie. Mm-hmm. Blazing well, Saddles is different. They all fall into the category of the farce, like I said, the uh, Naked Guns and stuff. It's just a little more right. But what I did it perfectly, and Mel Brooks was a little behind. Like still good, but not quite up to their level. Right, but Woody Allen has his brand. You can watch a Woody Allen movie and know you're watching Woody Allen. Yeah. Because, because it sucks. But uh, <laughs> you can watch a Mel Brooks movie and tell you're watching a Mel Brooks movie. You just can. Like his his movies and his jokes and his pacing and, and his delivery on, of punchlines, the same. Not only that, it's also that his his like wheelhouse, his the movies that he put out came out at a like almost at a time where a type of joke and a type of brand was funny. Yes, exactly. Like if you did you ever see Dracula dead and loving it? Yes. Terrible fucking movie. Yeah. I feel like by the time that came out, people, he ran out of ideas or, or maybe that whole shtick was just a little too tired. Yeah. Frankly, the whole, like I keep calling it the forest genre, but when's the last time a good one of those came out? It seems like it's been a while. Like there's this whole slew of shit. Uh, epic movie, disaster movie, date movie mm-hmm. that were just horseshit. They were just fucking terrible. But they're the same genre, the same type of affectation. And they, I, I don't know if they're doing it for a quick laugh and a quick buck, thinking that people would expect more so they would see it. If they hated it, they, you know, they still paid for the ticket. That's the jaded, cynical side of me. But there was a whole slew of them that were just fucking awful. And I cannot honestly point to the, within the last 15, maybe even 20 years a good example of one of those types of movies. I really can't. It's almost mm. like that's a dead genre. I agree. I I think that they've been putting out scary movies. You know what I mean? No, the last scary movie was god awful. Yeah, I my favorite's the third. Diana Ferris in it. It was it was just terrible. Like I I paid a I paid to see that movie. and I really wanted to go out front and be like, I feel like you owe me something for not warning me ahead of time. <laughs> like I want a refund. Uh, have you looked at the Internet Movie Database list of top movies? I, I briefly saw it, but it was like. The one I saw was compiled by some random guy, so it's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna look right now. I did have a list of best TV sitcoms. If you're interested, yeah. Well, let me um, let me just tell you, based on a list that was put together, it looks to me like this person made the list based on the fact that they're comedy movies and then their rating. So the highest rated comedy on Internet Movie Database with an 8.8 rating is Forrest Gump. See now that's barely comedy. That's I mean that's very that's skirting the edges at best. Yep, with an eight point five number four back to the future. Okay, that's comedy. So but I take that back. This is kind of jumping all over the place. But number two is modern times, Charlie Chaplin, eight point five. Hmm. Amelie, 
is uh, I think it's a French film. Is an eight point yeah, four. Yeah, I've heard of it, but that's number three. I watched that movie, and I, I mean, it didn't impress me too much. Duck Soup shows up again. Groundhog Day, number eighteen, and it has an eight point oh rating on IMDb. Hmm. Home Alone <laughs> in the top twenty. Well, so you know, all subjective. See, now, I feel like as time goes on, weird movies will be more popular than they were at first. Like Groundhog Day, I feel like is a perfect example of this. That when it came out, everybody's like, "Yeah, oh, this is fine." But for some reason, something about it as time went on, it stayed in people's consciousness. Almost, I, I want to. I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you could track this. If one influential critic loved that movie and was able to convince all his buddies that this was a great movie, and then for some reason it grew from there, like I would not be surprised. Like I like Groundhog's Day, fine, but I never spent more than five minutes thinking about it. You know, I saw it. If I cut it on TV, I maybe watch it. That's about it. Like mm-hmm. it was nothing I saw. Like if I when, when I was still buying DVDs, like okay, I've got to get all these movies that I love. I got Spaceballs. I got Naked Gun. I got Airplane. I did not go out and find a copy of Groundhog Day. Because I had to have a copy of Groundhog's Day too. I did. <laughs> well, you bought everything, so you're not. That's true. But I that's the uh, yardstick for this one. <laughs> me some Groundhog Day. Don't drive angry. You like you, you like you some DVDs just in general. So I do. I I wish that I had nothing but free time. I wish I could somehow parlay watching DVDs and making money. I it's wish that fun. like I wish there was a way that I could sit in front of my computer with the big screen ahead of me watching a dvd of an 80s movie and then somehow like writing reviews or you know what i guarantee you could do what if you could do it right and you had enough you know charisma and presence you could film yourself watching a dvd maybe put a little box in the corner (laughs) yeah commenting on what you're watching maybe even commenting on the director's comments (laughs) (laughs) i guarantee you could put that shit on youtube and people would watch that yeah no, I agree. I watch shit on YouTube that Yeah. Which hey, that brings up another really good point as far as comedies go. I know we're gonna get into sitcoms here in just a minute, but like there's something about the fact that our attention spans have been dwindled. Mm-hmm. They've whittled right down to, you know, thirty second clips on YouTube or thirty second clips on Facebook. Like dank memes. <laughs> you know, the things that make us laugh. That don't have to stay with us, I guess is the best way to put it. Oh, like uh, go to YouTube and type in best of Vine. Yes. Yeah. I mean, these are like five second blips, you know? Yep. But they're funny. But they are. They make you laugh. I hate myself. I've got, I remember I have now gotten to the point, like if I'm just dicking around YouTube or I'm like Facebook and people are posting links and stuff and I look at the running time and I see it's like five minutes. I'm like, ah, fuck that. And yeah. I move past it. <laughs> yeah. That's, I've gotten to that point where my attention span is way not, not even, Near enough to handle five minute comedy. All right. Anybody like listening? Somebody has to tell me that it's really good for me to spend the time on it. Okay. If you want to sample something on YouTube, go to YouTube and search for OMG memes. They also have OMG games. They've got a couple different genres, but OMG memes and OMG games, very funny. Just They're worth your time. In hmm. every, every video is four minutes and 20 seconds long. <laughs> 420 uh, but, but uh they contain pretty quick like video memes and uh you'll know what you're looking at as soon as you w- watch one but uh it's a it's funny hmm. it's it's good for a uh, sitting on the toilet i i'm bored and my well, tap game is too advanced <laughs> for me <laughs> well dorkly was one that i used to watch like religiously yeah a couple of years ago then he kind of, I, I feel like he ran out of ideas, just like everybody does. You put up enough content, you're going to run out of ideas. 
and you're just people will tell you like yeah you're not as funny as you used to be dave chappelle i remember this the first two seasons of the chappelle show were like pure genius funny mm-hmm. as shit and then he did that whole disappearing act where he up and left yep but because of such a you know maybe the biggest draw for comedy central they cobbled together a aborted kind of a third season they come with the lost episodes or something mm-hmm. where they he had done enough content before it disappeared to do like maybe a couple episodes Yep, and one of the one of the little sketches he did was he was talking to God or something. I can't remember what it was. Like a big disembodied head, and it was like you know people are not gonna like the season, right? They're gonna say you're not as funny as you used to be. He's like, yeah, I know that's the way it goes, but you know we got to do what we got to do. And then they proceeded with the sketches that he did get in the can, and I'll be goddamn, he was right. They weren't that funny. Yeah, watch Dave Chappelle the last the last episodes or last season or something like that. It's not that good. It really isn't. Yeah, and maybe if he would have sat down and finished it, fleshed it out, and these were the ones that would have hit the cutting room floor. Who knows? But yeah, it seems like he really only did have two good seasons in him, and then he ran out of ideas. Well, that's the way it goes. You know what's an absolute gold mine is uh, Key and Peel. Yeah, that one for a while though too, didn't it? I, they might either still be on or taking a uh, break because they're getting. No, I think they're done. Yeah, well, they're getting pretty successful in the the bigger budget yeah. movies. Um, but they're not one bad episode of that. I, that's very, very funny. That's what I never sat down and just watched the season, but every time I caught it, yeah, I laughed. They were good. Yes, very funny. But uh, let's talk sitcoms. Okay. So I, I had a... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I've I've recently added sitcom to my uh, repertoire, but I'll really? let you go. We'll Yeah, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Well, I found another top 10 list because, you know, we're all about the list here. Yes. Love <laughs> well, the list. it's a top... Top 100, but I'm not going to list all 100. I'll just I'll just talk about the top 10 and see if what you think about it. Okay. So number 10 was the Jefferson. I cannot disagree. I love the Jefferson. See, and I never disliked it, but that's not not one I watched a lot. Well, I did. That was on when we first got cable. That was on WGN. That was out of Chicago on Channel Nine up in Milo. Um, the Jeffersons loved it. I just, it's funny too, because recently I was listening to a radio show and somebody was talking about the Jeffersons and they're like, George Jefferson was the fucking man. He was the fucking man. You could take George Jefferson and plop him into any occupation and you've got a TV show like George Jefferson, the garbage collector. He'd be funny (laughs) as shit. George Jefferson, the, you know, the owner of a laundromat. Well, I mean, that's what it was. But if you look at the show, Amen was what he did after the Jeffersons, and it was uh, it was George Jefferson as a preacher. Yeah, I don't think he was a preacher, but I, yeah, he was at a church. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the Jeffersons ran from seventy five to eighty five, and this was a spinoff of good of um, All in the Family. Yeah, so this is one of the most successful spinoffs ever. So it 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 definitely hits that note. And I remember I didn't watch the Jeffersons a lot, but I did watch Good Times when I was a kid, and I actually really liked it. Yeah, I, but, I'm uh, the opposite. I watched the Jeffersons and loved it. I didn't get into Good Times. I think they might have run back to back, but I think they're on the same channel. Good Times, probably. I'm sure it ran opposite of something else I wanted to watch. Otherwise, I'd probably watch it. But Good Times is also one of those ones like you probably liked as a kid, like you know JJ Walker, Dynamite, and all that yep. stuff. That you're like, uh, okay, I I I get it. I, I passed it. Uh, number nine is the U.S. version of The Office, which the first few seasons of that at least. I mean, that ran for. What eight years? But the yeah. first season, first couple seasons of that was really good. I mean, really good. might be coming back. Really? Yeah, I don't know if it's an internet rumor, but I I saw uh, like a little news article going around, and it had a picture of the office, and it the headline was like, "Guess what show's coming back?" 
Hmm. See, and this is, well, this is another commentary on our, you know, the signs of the times type of thing where yeah, if it was popular once, it's going to be redone again or sequelized or something. Yeah. Because we have no new ideas. But anyway, number eight is I Love Lucy, which is always on everybody's list. I never really watched it, honestly. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I, I watched some of it in reruns. Like, I know about enough about that show that I can get all the references, but that certainly wasn't in my... Right. Wasn't anything I cared too much about. Uh, number seven is a UK version of The Office, which I fucking loved. Yeah. That went for two seasons and a Christmas episode, and it was pure genius. I, Ricky Gervais was holy crap. That the guy is a comedic genius because he's the master of deadpan. Yeah, he's the master of somebody saying the most ridiculous, stupid, off the wall things. Awkward, dead, awkward things. Being dead serious about it. Not yeah. even not like the most unself conscious, un, unaware person you ever met. He's a genius <laughs> at that. Yep. Uh, let's see. Number six is Thirty Rock, which I know you love. I never actually watched. Yeah, I keep telling myself I should, but I never did. Well, the the one that I'm just added to my uh, list of shows to watch is not a spinoff of 30 rock, but a lot of the people that did 30 rock kind of, oh, at least Kimmy, Tina, Tina Fey and her production. Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. The unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Yeah. I watched the first episode of that. I liked it, but for whatever reason, I never kept going with it. Yeah. I keep, another one. I keep telling myself, I got to get back into it's um, it's funny, but it's, it's pure Tina Fey. Yeah. That's yeah. The, the best way I can put it anyway, which isn't bad. No, I like I like Tina. She has a new one coming too, and I don't know if it's her show. She guest stars on it, but it's called Great News. Hmm. It's coming on NBC this fall. Um, it it's an office type, but it's uh, it's like Thirty Rock, where it's a, a ridiculous scenario, but they put it in a like a NBC Nightly News type thing. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a news show like NBC Nightly News, but it's it follows a group of people just like Thirty Rock, like. Hmm. larger than life characters that do and say ridiculous things right so. uh okay so number five is the cosby show Ooh, bill cosby well i will just say this the guy that he he writes a blur for all of them he says this he says cosby's legacy might currently be in shambles but the show was bigger than the man agreed i loved the Cosby. the cosby show was one of the ones that we watched like I feel- cosby show roseanne uh they were they were a handful of comedy sitcoms that we had to be sitting in front of the tv to watch cosby show was one of them and this illustrates one thing like bill cosby is a piece of shit but i feel like it just like in over every other aspect of life you've got to be able to separate the product from the producer you got to be able to separate the work from the guy that made the work because you could take you could take a finished product for what it is and appreciate for what it is and fucking hate where it came from and well, i feel like it's a principle for like life in general you're not watching bill cosby you're you're watching Cliff Huxtable. It was Cliff Huxtable, right? Yeah, yeah, Cliff. Heathcliff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were watching the Huxtables. You were not watching the Cosby, right? <laughs> exactly. There was, so yeah, there's a Cosby show, but nobody in there was named Cosby. No character was named Cosby. Right, and that, I feel like that was a, a direct, like, how do we get people to watch this? Bill Cosby is this larger-than-life personality comedian that is at the, you know, he's on the up trajectory. We need to attach mm-hmm. his name to this somehow. Well, let's call it the Cosby show that like, I don't know if that's the scenario, but that to me is the only plausible way that you can come up with a show titled the Cosby show with no Cosby's in it. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, I can't even think of, there's gotta be another example of some show that had nothing to do with what it was titled, but I can't think of one offhand. Yeah. Carol Burnett show. Was she Carol Burnett in that? I don't know. That was a sketch. She, and oh. she showed up as Carol Burnett. 
Like she or, uh, Newhart. His name was Bob Newhart in the show, though. Was it right? I, I have to. I I have really, to that's not one I watch a lot. I watched that in. Uh, there was re-release. Newhart. There was a Bob Newhart show. So he, so he could have been Newhart in both those shows. I I want to say <clears throat> that he was Bob Newhart in the show Newhart. Producers, original work, eight seasons. Wow. Good him. Nope. Bob Newhart played Dick Loudon. Yeah. So owner of the Stratford Inn. He took a page from Cosby and said, "I'm going to name it after myself because I'm a funny comedian on the uptick." That's funny. I I would I would have sworn that his name was Bob Newhart in that show. I watched it enough. I should have known that his name was Dick Loudon. <laughs> That's another one that was kind of in the background sometimes when I was places. I I never really watched it. Yeah, I just remember uh, what was it? I, this is my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. You know, I'm Larry. This is my brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so okay, let's see. Number four is Arrested Development. Oh, that should be number one. I I'm Which, mad. I'm I'm already mad. Well, you're gonna be mad when you get to number one. Oh, but uh, number three is Seinfeld, and I, I swear, as time goes on, I don't. I feel like it's a betrayal, but I feel like I want to put Arrested Development above Seinfeld. I really do. I do. I, I mean, I love Seinfeld. Never going to take anything away from Seinfeld. I love Seinfeld. Arrested Development is better. You know what it is? And this is the snob in me. Laugh track. Yep. I shows agree. are funnier without laugh tracks. Agreed. I mean, I, I, some shows have to have a laugh track. It's like, like, do yourself a favor. Watch. You can go to YouTube. Watch sitcoms with the laugh track yes, taken out of it. I, I have. It's and that's awkward. For a whole different reason. Yeah, that is incredibly awkward. It's so awkward. Well, yeah, because because like, they're always standing around looking at each other. It's silent. It's just, it's so it's so but, stark and profound watching these guys without the laugh right, track. Right. Because it's not just that they say cruel things to each other oh yeah these are hor- almost every sitcom in the world is full of horrible horrible people yeah without the so laugh they'll say cruel cruel things that are supposed to be funny but without the laugh track it's just an awkward moment where this person has <laughs> insulted the other person dude ah oh, it's so good like real I, people don't act that way real people try to gloss over each other's dislikes yeah, of each other you know the, right the shortcomings foibles of everybody else right you'd never point you out know, somebody's you're shortcomings never like, god you're so stupid you should wear a helmet on your head when you walk out the door. <laughs> Take yeah. away the lap jacket. It's like, wow, you're an asshole. Wow, yeah, this person. And you know who's probably the biggest asshole out of them all? Chandler. Phoebe. Okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I was close, though. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, Seinfeld's number three. Yeah, four, four rest developments. Seinfeld number three. Um, number two is Cheers. Which I I do like me some cheers and maybe it's number two. I, this is this guy's list, so take it for what it's worth. But maybe it's I I want to say it's number two because it was a, more of a trailblazer. I mean that was I don't know it was a, more of an adult comedy. Yeah, in the midst of more juvenile, family friendly stuff. Yeah, there were a lot of things about Cheers that like as soon as you start talking about it. I'm not saying it falls apart. I'm just saying that there are very interesting things about that. Not necessarily funny things, just really interesting things. They rarely left the bar. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, they showed Sam's apartment every once in a while, or, you know, a different person's house once in a while. Right. But 90% of that show was shot in the bar. Yeah. And that, you know, I'm not saying that that's, there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that even even shows that have a location as a character, like, in Friends, the apartment is a, is a character. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? The location is a character. But in Friends, they went all over the place. Like they they went everywhere. Well, um, there's at least three good part. You know, three. You know, definitely two, but like three solid settings. They would switch between over and over again. Yep. Um, which was the the coffee shop, 
Monica's apartment, Chandler and Joey's apartment. And then right. later on, like Ross's apartment or Phoebe's apartment. But for the most part, three solid settings. But they, they went all over the place is what I'm trying to say. I mean, they, they went to more than just like I'm trying to think of another sitcom that was so location based that they just well, the Cosby show. I want to say the Cosby show didn't leave their house very often. No. Yeah, I'm, that might be. Or like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was almost all in that in the, in the mansion. Yeah. Maybe it's more common than I'm remembering, but like yeah. who's the boss? Now that I'm thinking of it, most sitcoms really do get stay anchored to like one, maybe two spots. Unlike Arrested Development, Wizards all over the place. I have a visitor. But one thing about I will say about Cheers, and Cheers was a good show, and I think it stands the test of time. But I think it stood out because look at Cheers was on from was it 82 to 92 and look what it was up against the other big sitcoms of its time were some of the most family-friendly stuff out there like growing pains or uh family, family ties. ties yeah uh, who's the boss who's the boss full house just a lot of these were the sitcoms it was up against and there's a lot of and cheers roseanne. was adult yep it was roseanne yeah roseanne a little later but yeah and cheers was the adult comedy of the time you know like mash it ended all in the family it ended what i, I i'm trying I'm really hard pressed to think of another sitcom of its era like murphy brown maybe was that the only other one you could point to kate and Allie. no that was family based mm. but everything else around it was so so family based and punky cheers brewster. was the adult comedy <laughs> yeah punky brewster was pretty adult <laughs> you know punky brewster was you know, like out of this world had some really um you know some some dark themes. Oh wait, I'm sorry. You never saw out of this world. <laughs> no, I didn't. But uh, I'm I'm dying to know what number one is. Well, by process of elimination, you gotta have a good guess of what number one is. Well, I mean, you've already said Mash. It yeah, has, that wasn't. But it's which not I'm number one. It's not number one. No, kidding. Ah, uh, The Simpsons. Oh, all right. I yeah. I can't be disappointed by that. I mean, it can't. How can so many people be wrong? How can so many seasons be wrong? Well, I, I like this guy's description was um, at its creative peak in the mid 90s. There was no better written show on TV. The joke density alone is absolutely incredible. Go back and watch an episode like part one of Who Shot Mr. Burns from 95. And the thing you can't help but notice is how insanely fast everything moves. And there's literally a joke every few seconds. Most of them brilliant. That was a Simpsons. That's a great description of the Simpsons because from start to finish, the Simpsons was throwaway gags, sight gags pop culture references that were like lampooning different things at the time yep that and just the ridiculousness that well, was just you could they, only do with a cartoon right that's what i was going to say is the fact that it was animated alone a lot gave them the ability to um to have half the jokes i mean you couldn't have people you know obviously you couldn't film people in outer space you couldn't film people falling down oh, yeah. you couldn't film people doing half the things that they did that were jokes in that because you know it was a cartoon you could you could get away with you know quick jokes about you know the school janitor being Scottish and I don't know, but <laughs> well, I mean Homer in space was a brilliant episode. Urkel in space was a ridiculous abortion. Right. You know, like that's the difference right there. Homer can climb a mountain. Homer can drive his car over a cliff out of the Badlands of Springfield into a garbage dump because that works. If this was a regular live action TV show that did all that stuff couldn't do it you'd be like okay this is this is ridiculous this is not i mean not good ridiculous because i've already said ridiculous is the heart of comedy but this is tragic. different different ridiculous ridiculous for a different reason right not good ridiculous bad ridiculous unless that's your kind of ridiculous yeah but then you have no taste then you know it's true ooh ooh 
Ooh. Oh my god, I was I just going to do that. <laughs> I was just about to do that, too. I was like, no, I'm going to refrain. I'm going to no. stop. No, I know how I, much you love I Billy Vanilla. To, I needed to work out my redemption. You took it from me. <laughs> A stolen moment. I was so close to going, ooh, 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 I love you. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to stop it, and you did it, and then... Yeah, comedy. Uh, now, Billy Vanilla was comedy. Yes. Uh, what are some of the funny books? Who are some funny authors? Dave Barry, uh, Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams, funny. Which do you want to know? Wait, that was the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was hilarious. Do you want to know what I feel the peak of comedy is? Like mm. the, the tippy top of comedy. Yes, I do. The Far Side. I loved The Far Side. Yes. I loved The Far Side so I, I couldn't get enough of that. Although that's not my favorite comic strip series ever. For my money, the funniest comic, you know, newspaper comic series ever. Garfield. Is Blue Garfield. County. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Garfield. Oh, yeah, totally. Garfield is the height of comedy. <laughs> I mean, uh, he wants to die and hates Mondays. That's, you can't get any better than that. No, I mean, I have the, I have a, the, the collected Bloom County hardback, you know, values one through six or something. I'm looking at them right now. And I love it. This is, I will never get rid of these things. I've, I've read and reread these things, and I love them so much. But it doesn't work outside the 80s. Like, it's like, it's like, it yeah. is the 80s. It's the encapsulated 80s. Yeah. They, he pigeonholed himself into politics. Well, it's not just politics. It was pop culture. It was entertainment. It was science, even at the time. Like, it was a lot of politics. But, uh, like, he's, he's come back with new stuff recently in the last couple of years. And I read a lot of it. It was good, but it was, it was never the same. Like Outland was his follow-up to Bloom County that was in the nineties and mm-hmm. it was fine. But for whatever reason, he struck gold with his in fact, he does it like a like a foreword to it. He says Bloom County was born of the eighties and it was for the eighties and it's, and that was it. This is you know before he rebooted it again in the in two thousand thirteen. But still, like he was like it was an eighties phenomena. So if you are anybody that ever wants to to know what the eighties was all about, read Bloom County. And yeah. that'll give you like better than a history book. That'll give you what 80s was all about. If you want to know what childhood in the 80s was all about, you would read Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you want to know what a uh, fake tiger would tell you? Yeah. Calvin and Hobbes, Farside, those are my two go-to. Yeah. But Farside, definitely. I When he stopped doing the Farside calendar, it was like a knife in the back. Do you remember your, your favorite Farside panel? Yep. I Well, I had it printed and up on my wall in my old office, my old job. It, for like seven years i had it up there and it's probably one of the stupidest ones everybody's gonna have a different far side mm-hmm. this one was um in norad or or wherever they you know it was air force high brass and there was a uh like a panel with these red buttons and the red buttons say launch nuke or something like that mm-hmm. and there's a clown getting ready to push one of the buttons to launch a nuke and the like the air force colonel is like what does that clown think he's doing <laughs> in i don't know it just strikes me as i've i've got i've got too many that are my favorites but that yeah, one yeah. for the longest time was up on my wall that's why i remember it so well but uh there's another one with the the guy being the scuba diver that's being eaten by the octopus and it's pulling the the hose the air hose and the two guys in the boat were like wait what was it for help was it, was it two pull? Was it two tugs or one long pull? <laughs> What's yours? Uh, you must have one. Yeah, I definitely have one. Well, I kind of go between them. My what's probably my favorite is uh, it's just a shot of a guy like a cab driver with a guy in the back seat holding a big python. The guy's going, "For love of God, man, get get, get 
go fast. We got to get to the hospital. She's dropping babies everywhere. The cab driver's like, oh. <laughs> I think the face, the, the expression on the cab driver's face, he's like freaking out. <laughs> the idea that there's baby snakes going everywhere in his cab. There's another good one of the, the grown man who's made a fort out of the seat cushions, his couch cushions, and yeah. he's inside the fort, and his wife is standing there with her hands on her hips, and she's like, Reginald, give me the cushions back. The Johnsons are coming over for dinner. <laughs> oh, what a, what a good one is, uh, it's, it's like an old cowboy sitting there, it's like the Lone Ranger, finally looks up what he's always wondered about, he's like looking at dictionary, he says, let's see, let's see, Kimosabi, a horse's ass, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, there's another good one with the Indian, and he's going up a ladder, and he's He's invading a fort, and the cowboys are shooting at him. And, of course, the Indians are climbing up the ladder behind him. And he's, like, at the very top. And he's like, watch out for the tops of these things, guys. They're pointy. (laughs) He's, like, like pointing to the tops of the fort where it's all pointy. Uh, I love it. Actually, this brings me to something, because I I, kind of stumbled across this. uh, The 25 best two-line jokes. And I'll be goddamned if they didn't start making me laugh. And they're so corny and so, uh, so bad. But sometimes... Puns are like the greatest. Mm-hmm. So let, let, let me give you a couple of them. Okay, I'll just I'll just start telling you. Uh, what was it? Uh, scroll past it. Oh yeah, how do you find Will Smith in the snow? How you look for fresh prints? Ah, <laughs> that's good. Uh. Why do we all have a ge- genetic predisposition for diarrhea? Why runs in our genes? Ooh. <laughs> Can you hold on just one minute? No, I'm, I'm going to tell all of these. Okay, okay hold go. hold on. Or you can keep telling them. I'm just not going to laugh. I got to go give my dog his pill. Okay. Hold on just a minute. Okay. So for you, the listening audience, prepare to have your side split. Uh, what do we got here? What's green, fuzzy, and if it fell out of a tree, it would kill you? A pool table. What? Do you... <laughs> this one makes me laugh. That's bad. What do you call a dog with no legs? It doesn't matter. It's not going to come. Why do cows wear bells? Because their horns don't work. <laughs> oh, God. What did the pirate say when he turned 80? I matey. Think about that one. How do you think the unthinkable? Look at with an iceberg. That's uh, a lisp joke. Try to catch fog yesterday. Missed. Why does a chicken coop have two doors? If it had four doors, it would be a chicken sedan. <laughs> uh, I told my wife she was drawing her eyebrows too high. She looked surprised. <laughs> this might be the best one though. The first rule of Alzheimer's Club is don't talk about chess club. That's that's my favorite. Nothing better than good Alzheimer's. Did you give up? No, no, I went through all the best ones, and uh, so I'm going to have to. In there. I'm going to have to listen to the episode. In order to find yes, it it's a hidden treasure that you're going to discover later on. Uh, they were so bad, but I, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my favorite punny joke, and I don't know why. What did the Buddhist say to the hot dog vendor? What make me one with everything? <laughs> That's terrible. I don't know why I like that joke so much, but I do. Um, I'm terrible at telling jokes. I never remember the good one. I hear one. I, it's really good. It makes me laugh. And then it's gone. Oh, no, no, no. I do remember one that made me laugh years and years ago. Okay. Okay, so this guy's in this bar. He's drinking. He's drinking. And he looks out the window, gets up with a big smile on his face, rushes out. So some people are like, okay, what the hell's going on? They follow him outside. Walking past the bar was a group of, it was a nun. The guy runs out, sees a nun, tackles her, starts beating the shit out of her, just wailing on her. And everybody's like, what the hell? Pulls him off. <clears throat> the guy kind of staggers up. Looks down at the nun and says, ha, you're not so tough, Batman. <laughs> that was it. 
See, that's one of those jokes that's funny because it's a terrible joke. <laughs> See, because he was drunk and a nun was, you know. Yeah, it looks like Batman. Black and white. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so See, bad. No, that's, that's a testament to my joke retention because that's the funniest <laughs> one I can remember. Yeah, I I don't remember jokes. I don't tell them well. I ruin punchlines. <laughs> I'm just, I'm notorious for telling bad jokes, so I just refrain from doing it. Well, there's always the repertoire of racist jokes that everybody has that they really can't say. Right. Oh, there was um, there was a book that my parents had when I was a kid. I think it was it, like everybody owned the book, and it was like truly tasteless jokes or something like that. Oh yeah, it was like volume twenty something. <laughs> yeah, it was like had a black cover and it just truly tasteless jokes. Yeah, and um, they spared no expense. Like it had jokes, like racist jokes for black people it had racist jokes for white mm-hmm. people it had racist jokes for jewish people it had like like nobody was spared it was across the board truly tasteless jokes yeah well and they were terrible good good for them but uh, yeah like blazing saddles you know that's right oh yeah were they like trading I mean, all the barbs yeah. if you had zero context and you went into watching especially nowadays oh, if you God. if you watch blazing saddles for the first time with no context, that's one of the most racist movies in the world. Oh yeah, but 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 on both sides, like it's a give and take. Oh yeah, I mean it. It like it totally and completely just illustrates how you know the absurdity of racism. And mm-hmm. to be a racist, it is absurd. To be uh, sexist, it's absurd. To you know, like it, it's one of these things that you know. Like, this you, is what you sound like when you open your mouth and spout these right. weird ass. When you, you know, are racist. It doesn't matter if you're black, white. It doesn't matter. When you are racist and you open your mouth and say racist things, you sound like a total and complete idiot. Right. Like, it, it could be bad enough that people will look at you and not sure that you're even serious because <laughs> right. that moronic. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad for it. I, I think that, like, everybody should watch Blazing Saddles. And I think that maybe nowadays, like, it's important. People should watch Blazing Saddles, and it doesn't matter if you're a racist or if you hate racists. You should watch Blazing Saddles. Well, it's like you said, it's not it's not trying to be racist. It's trying to illustrate the ridiculousness of being a racist. Right. And I just think that everybody needs to have the, you know, the blinders taken off. Yeah. Because, I mean, am I going to sit here and tell you that I haven't told a racist joke with a straight face? Like, everybody mm-hmm. has at least... Uh, said a joke that is in poor taste you know casual racism exists you know that whole bullshit oh but, not even the racist stuff like where we were how many dead baby jokes have we told you know stuff oh like god. that that yeah, i mean normal people would listen to us going oh my god you guys are monsters and we're laughing our asses off we talk about it in the very first episode and actually in the the introduction to the podcast that we work in a place yeah. that really almost dark humor thrives there uh, like a like it has a to yeah it is a total and complete defense mechanism what we think is funny and like i don't even know if i'll think it's funny five years after i don't work at the jail like i certainly wouldn't have laughed at half of the jokes or funny things things that i find funny now are so in poor taste that like i'm ashamed of it oh i'm just i've been in situations where like fan, friends and family are like whatever reason the topic comes up about how, you know, oh man, we, we got some inappropriate, then they'll inevitably, because this is the human nature, tell somebody that, oh no, you don't want to hear this. Yeah, I do. I really do. <laughs> and I'm like, no, seriously, you, you will not like this. Our whole things you should not watch episode 
Yeah. Well, I guarantee you, people that listen to that are at least some of them in the back of their heads are going, "Yeah, I kind of want to watch this now." Right. Because tell somebody that shouldn't do something or hear something, they're going to want to. And I've been around friends and family that I'm like, you know, like the most tasteless jokes. They're like, "Come on, tell me." So I'm like, "All right, here you go." And I tell like a blender and a baby and uh, you know a pedophile joke and something shit like that, and they kind of get this horrified look on their face and they're looking at me like, "Why would you say this out loud?" I'm like, "I warned you." I told you you would not right. like this. Right. Like I wasn't just trying to titillate you. I told you straight up. My evaluation is that you will not. You will wish you hadn't heard this. <laughs> Whereas when I'm sitting around at work, especially in the days when I was uh, working the three to eleven shift, and we would just hang out after work and just shoot the shit. Oh my god! If we could have recorded all that, not even just the jokes, but just the topics of conversation that we were getting into. Yeah, it was. It oh, was terrible. holy crap! It, it took a left turn. I, I would say it took a left turn, but it started off with that left turn. Yeah, it, it's bad. It's really, really bad. So, but, so bad that we got it. If you're listening to this, we're not going to repeat some of the jokes we would share. <laughs> we're just. I'm thinking some right now, and I'm definitely not no. saying it. No, no. And I, some I of them aren't even jokes. Some of them are just things that have happened that I think are funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I know. <laughs> yeah. Like real life situations that happen that anybody else would be like that's a tragedy, and I'm laughing. Yeah. God, we're sick. So let's change the subject. Let's yeah, yeah. let's end uh, comedy on a high note. We have a very dear friend of this podcast, John Lear, mm-hmm. who if you don't know who he is, you should go seek out some of his stuff because he is very, 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 very funny. Uh, his his uh, claim to fame is he's very good at ad-libbing comedy, and right. he has a show on Hulu. He has a show that was on TBS, um, and his... His delivery and his style is, I think, some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. Because and he's I, like the good straight man for it. He's definitely... Like the stuff the, I've seen, he's got that good straight, you know, deadpan thing down pat. Yep. And it's a good combination of the Will Ferrell style. I'm going to say something that wouldn't be funny otherwise, but I'm saying it in such a way that it's going to make you laugh. Yeah. And uh, I think ad-lib and live, like Saturday Night Live, stuff like that, I can mm-hmm. roll that into like the ad-libbing style, I think, a little bit. That is its own thing. And I do, I love it. I, I'd eat that stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, I love, especially when it was really good. SNL is it was I amazing. St- I still like Saturday Night Live now. Granted, a lot of it is stupid. And every episode, you're going to have some sketches that just fall flat. Yeah. When I say stupid, I mean it's stupid in my eyes. Somebody else thinks that kind of stuff is funny. Like um, last season... Tom Hanks was on Saturday Night Live and he did a skit and it was these people in one of those scare like the like a haunted house like scare elevator it was called scare elevator or something like that where they put you on an elevator and you go up and down a couple floors and every time the doors open something scary happens um and like it goes off the rails because there's a guy who's Tom Hanks and he's in a weird pumpkin costume and he says I'm David Pumpkins and then he does like this little dance number or thing and it's so weird and not scary that the couple that's on the elevator, it's their reaction to the mm-hmm. ridiculousness that's funny. That skit all by itself saved Saturday Night Live for me last season. I mean, it was <laughs> that I played that on YouTube a million times. Maybe it wasn't YouTube. Maybe it was the NBC app. But anyway. Well, one of the David things I love about, I don't know what it is. Sometimes the funniest stuff on Saturday Night Live is when the actors get the giggles. Mm hmm. Like, I don't know why. Like the, the one of the recent examples is uh, Kate McKinnon's. Like 
her series of ones about being abducted by different things, Santa Claus, aliens. Yep. Yep. You know, near out of body experiences. There's one of them where she's abducted by aliens, which the material is actually really funny in and of itself. Yeah. This is but, when she heard there's like three people that have had something happen to them. Yeah. And everybody else is explaining it the, you know, normal, but she's like this, like trailer trash, redneck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and like just in and of itself, the material is actually really funny. But especially the one where she's abducted by aliens. Let's Ryan Gosling was the host that week, and he's he starts cracking up. The two people that are like interviewing him, the two mm-hmm. cast members, they're like covering their faces. They're they're just they're holding their breath, trying to keep the laughs in. Yeah, and it's, watching that happen, it's like a signal. I don't know what it is. Like you can just you can watch compilations of one cast members. Yeah, and that was Jimmy Fallon. Every sketch he did, always. Yeah broke out laughing but when, yep. when cast members couldn't hold the last in and my my favorite sketch of all time is uh uh chris farley's you know matt foley oh yeah. Speaker, yeah. band down by the river band down by the river and, yeah yeah christina Applegate and david spade start cracking up watching chris foley like they're tr- they're trying so hard to hide it yeah like christina Applegate puts her hair in front of her face trying to you know mask it that way david spade's just kind of turning his head and they're, yep. they're dying and they're trying to keep it together and that just makes it for me. I don't know why. Yeah. No, it's like I'm a sympathetic crier and I'm a sympathetic laugher. When I yeah. see other people in those situations, it affects me in a way that I it draws that emotion out for me. So like when I see a Saturday Night Live cast member start laughing, instant cue for me to start getting yeah. the chuckles. And um, yeah, I dig that. That's a really good sketch too. Anybody should go. I can't remember the name of the character, but she's done a whole bunch of them. She did a a Christmas one, something about Santa Claus. Um, God, she's done a bunch, but she's what really funny. You abducted hmm. one, or no? There was there was a different one. She's she's uh, done that a couple times in that character. I love the abducted one. Like, oh yeah, there's an elf that's following me. His name's Shart. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe that's maybe that is the Christmas one that I was thinking of. But oh, that's great. He's done that character a couple times. Um, very funny. Um. Kristen Wiig, love Kristen Wiig. Yeah, she's love pretty good. The MacGruber stuff. Um, Saturday Night Live has churned out a ton of movies. Oh, some people's careers. I mean, Adam Sandler's everything to Saturday Night Live. You know, Mike Myers, even somebody like Chris Rock, who laments that he was never included in stuff. But the reason you know who he is is because of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, some of them have bombed. Like uh, Chris Catan, he really yeah. he couldn't find the success that other people did. But like, like stereotype or molly shannon or something like that yeah uh, a lot of really good com you know comedic movies have been spawned from saturday night live joe joe piscopo uh, sorry <laughs> um wayne's world yeah uh there was a there was a time in the 90s where they would make a movie of all sketches like pat got a movie yeah every, everything that was that the what was that guy um the love doctor or whatever uh the tim meadows like his only real recurring character the love guru. What the fuck was it? No, no, not love guru. That was Mike Myers. Mike Myers, yeah. But it, oh, it was yeah, I, it was still under the radar. But he had the lisp. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't feel. Like, yeah, he was another one that was. He was a mainstay of that show for like a decade, but never found the the uh, the popularity that everybody else did. Um, ladies man, that's what it was. Ladies man. <laughs> uh, I remember because Tiffany Amber Thiessen was in it, looking good, looking real good. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'm trying to find um, Keenan. What's his last name? Ivory Wayans. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, Toon says, if I was not allergic to cat cats and I had a cat, I guarantee you I would name it Toon says. And anybody that 
that got the reference would be my best friend automatically. Like that would be my test. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say Toonses? Toonses the cat that drove off the cliff. Yes, exactly. Yes, I know Toonses. <laughs> <Sorry>. though. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to. I was reading the um, cast members uh, in my find. I, I don't. I don't know his name. He was the kid that was on Good Burger. Oh, oh yeah. He's. I always he's, forget his name. He's been around forever now too. I thought his name was Keenan something, but it's not coming out. And it's a shame too because he's the the best cast member. Yeah, from the modern time one. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Like, yeah, I don't remember. His, wow. And you look up like Saturday Night Live cast members, and it is absolutely one of the most ridiculous <laughs> lists ever. It is so many, so many people. Uh, they always say that the '80s were the lost decade for SNL. Like Eddie Murphy is the only one that kept the show afloat for like years. Yeah, Keenan Thompson is his name. Keenan Thompson. Okay. Yeah. And he is absolutely the funnest one, funniest one on that show right now. But yeah, we could do a whole podcast just on Saturday Night Live, honestly. Yeah. So anyway, you got, you got that uh, name that movie. Oh, are we ready to move on? I don't. Are you ready? Let's move on. We can move on. Okay, name that movie. I'll I'll start you because okay. you have one for me this time, right? I do have one. I, I'm ready, and I think I feel like it's probably gonna be easy, but we'll find. I I know that because I know this already. It's easy for me. But if I were just giving these clues I, without knowing the movie, I think it would be, I think it's hard. So I don't, you know, I hand it to you for getting them in like three and four clues. My movie, number one movie of 1981. It's okay. the first clue. Not yet. <laughs> don't, don't have it? Not on. Um, yeah. Okay. Clue number two is the lead role was turned down by Jeff Bridges. Hmm. See, every you know? time you give me one of these types of clues, I just keep thinking of Jeff Bridges' movies. I'm like, no, no, this is a... <laughs> the wrong way to go designed to confuse you remember i told you you would get it in two clues and then i was going to add a level of difficulty see i'm terrible what i'm terrible at is knowing what year movies came out oh okay number one in 81 and that doesn't really help me that much good uh this movie was passed over by every studio except one paramount Uh, that's the other thing i'm terrible about which (laughs) studio made it studios shit uh damn Okay, so top rated movie, 1981. Was offered to Jeff Bridges, but he turned okay, it here's This is where you're going to get it. I'll give you the fourth clue. This is the one that you're going to get it, okay? The main character never loses his hat in the whole movie. Oh, Indiana Jones? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> was offered to Jeff Bridges? Wow. Yeah. It was uh, relatively early in Steven Spielberg's career. Not super duper duper early. But it was early enough where he had flopped with 1941, and, yeah. studi- and studios wouldn't touch him. Hmm. So even after Jaws, huh? Yeah, he he was young enough where one black mark on his uh, resume yeah. made made everybody pass, but Paramount. You imagine all those other people, like Universal, oh the people at Universal, like you're fired, you're fired, and you're fired. Why so the who, fuck did you not see this? Who who did not think Indiana Jones was going to be a good movie? Raise your hand. Okay, you're all out. Get the hell out of here. Uh, who's the one that took a meeting with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and told them to leave? Who did that? <laughs> like, I just I, I can't see this working. Yeah, a guy with a whip and he runs around in the desert. I don't know. We're we're gonna pass on this one. Snakes out of play. Uh, another another really good hint I was going to say is it, it contains the Wilhelm scream. The Wilhelm scream? Do you not know what the Wilhelm scream is? Scream is? I've never heard of that. Oh, you've heard it. No, I, if I've, I, I guess I probably have heard it. I've you have. Absolutely, you have heard it. The Wilhelm scream is a very... Def- I'm going to play it. 
before I tell you what it is, I'm going to play you the Wilhelm, okay. and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, next, the next thing I want to say is, you rebel scum. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's, this is the Wilhelm Scream compilation. <laughs> I can see that's a three minute video. I can see where that would get old, but yeah, that's the the. Once I start thinking, like, okay, it's totally the one where the guy gets a high pitch and then falls off like he's falling off a cliff or something. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's in almost everything George Lucas is attached to, <laughs> and then it became such a trope that it's in like all kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in everything yes that's the wilhelm scream that's awesome wow that that would have been a clue that would have made it difficult for you to get it that would have been a a good one i should have i should have come in earlier with that one like i know of it but i did not know the name of it yes the wilhelm scream Wilhelm. hit me with your. are you ready i Uh, I feel like this should be easy but i don't want to you know set it up too hard either okay okay so, starting the way you start, this movie came out in 1987. Okay. The original title was, the creator wanted to be called Planet Moron. Planet Moron? Hmm? Not yet? Don't have it. Okay, I'll give you my next one then. Uh, the person who was the lead was the third choice after Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise. And I can't even imagine this movie with Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise. Planet Moron from 1987. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks and Tom Cruise. With the first two choices. Did not end up becoming the. I feel like the fourth clue should give it away pretty good. Okay. All right. George Lucas loved it, but he there's some speculation he might have been paid off to love it too. He was not really involved with it. He just he loved it. That should be a big hit, George Lucas. Planet moron. Oh, spaceballs. Spaceballs. <laughs> ah, spaceballs. Okay. Like I I, I was trying not to mention spaceballs this entire episode just because I didn't want to try to prime the pump but mm-hmm. i ended up doing it nope yeah i planet moron got me absolutely yeah, bill pullman was third after tom hanks and tom, I, I can can you imagine space balls with tom cruise no there's no that fucking way no it would have been awful it, it would actually would not have been space balls it would have been a tom cruise movie yeah especially in 87 coming right off top gun top gun yeah you would not have thought oh no, that would have ruined tom, top hanks? gun tom hanks maybe but i don't know Maybe. Well, young, yeah. The 80s Tom Hanks, I can see that. 80s Tom yeah. Hanks was quite the shtick lover. <laughs> he was, I don't know. That, that's the thing. Tom Hanks was probably a little too goofy for it. Like, Bill Pullman was the straight man. He was he was the uh, the deadpan guy in that movie that everybody played off of. I think Tom Hanks would have been a little too goofy, a little too wacky for it. Because Tom Hanks was never the straight man. I want to see how much money space Let me look at it. Yeah, but it's funny because... Uh, you know, it was a spoof of Star Wars, obviously, straight up. He wanted George Lucas to be on board, so he uh, he booked the services for post-production with uh, Lucas's studio to try to, like, keep him on board. And afterwards, Lucas is like, oh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, okay, this is a little depressing. Mm. I don't know what his budget is. I bet I could still find it, but it, domestic gross was $38 million. Wow. I mean, it's a comedy. comedies are never huge money grabs. Well, I know. Um, comedy and horror are the two like the beloved genres that don't ever grab that much money. Oh, well, guess what? Beat it out that week. It opened the same week as a comedy. What? Dragnet. I like that's funny because when I've been when I was Tom just Hanks. talking about Tom Hanks, I was thinking about Dragnet. Yep. Because I was Drag- like, oh, Dan Aykroyd was a straight man, and Tom Hanks was a goofy one. You know. 
Dragnet and Spaceballs, Dragnet number one, Spaceballs number two, Witches of Eastwick number three, huh. Beverly Hills Cop number two, Predator number five, Ugh. The Untouchables, Roxanne, Benji the Hunted, Harry and the Hendersons, Full Metal Jacket, The Believers, and The Secret of My Success. That was the top 12 that uh, weekend. Yeah, we, we went through this once. Like That year was like a crazy year for movies. Like A lot yeah. of classic movies came out that year. Yeah. Um, Dragnet and Spaceballs opened on the same weekend, and Dragnet, Dragnet beat it by $4 million. I like Dragnet, but not more than Spaceballs. It opened the same week. These three movies opened on the same weekend. Dragnet, Spaceballs, and Full Metal Jacket. Wow. Full Metal Jacket made a paltry $2,217,000 on oh, opening can, weekend. That's a, that's a very limited, very niche audience, very esoteric type of draw to it. Uh, this made me laugh, though. One... one snippet i didn't get to rick moranis was offered a sequel and uh when he was moranis suggested that the title should be Spaceballs three the search for Spaceballs two that's kind of clever yeah that's pretty good well they've been talking about a sequel to Spaceballs forever like yeah, that, yeah. The, every year it seems like it pops up online this is the year they're casting for Spaceballs two they're gonna make a cartoon oh. version which i guess they did there was a cartoon version that spoofed the prequel trilogy never heard of it though huh in 2005, Brooks directed a 13-episode Spaceballs the Animated Series with Joan Rivers back into it again. Huh. And the Princess Vespa girl, Daphne Zuniga. <laughs> that was spoofing the, uh, the prequels. That's funny. I kind of want to watch that. Okay. This is primetime weekend. This is one of the biggest weekends. Now, in modern times, this is going to blow you away. I'm about mm. to tell you something that's going to blow mine. May 29th, the weekend of May 29th to May 31st, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. 1987. One movie opened that weekend and it bombed. It tanked. It wasn't even in the top 12. Hmm. Summer Heat at $114,000. Wow. What is that one? I don't even know it. Never heard of it. You know why? Why is that? The weekend before that, there was a movie that had come out that steamrolled the place. <clears throat> Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh, there you go. So we can see Summer Heat or we can see Beverly Hills Cop 2 again. We're going to go see Beverly Hills Cop 2 again. Let me tell you, Memorial Day weekend, 1987, was a weekend of Beverly Hills Cop 2. Ernest Goes to Camp. <laughs> the Secret of My Success, Ishtar, The Gate, Creep Show 2, The Chipmunk Adventure, Platoon, Lethal Weapon, Blind Date, Crocodile Dundee, Raising Arizona. That's your top 12 for the Memorial Day weekend, 1987. None wow. of those movies were released that weekend. They were at least in their second week. Huh, that's funny. And that's it's, insane. It's that, got to be on purpose. Like, they're just like, we're just not going to open something on Memorial Day. Yeah, because yeah. nowadays, Memorial Day weekend, like, there are movie studios that are clamoring for that weekend years in advance. Well, it's even like uh, Fourth of July. I bet you anything back in the day it was not a big movie weekend, but now that's the height of blockbuster time. Yeah, that's incredible. May 29th through May 31st, 1987, nothing in the top 10 opened that week. Huh. That's crazy. That's absolutely... Bad shit insane, man. Bad shit insane. Okay, so for as much shit as the movie Ishtar gets, because you know it's like highly regarded as like one of the worst movies ever. Yeah, one ever. of the biggest bombs ever. I never saw it, but yeah, I've always heard about it. The weekend of May 15th through the 17th, 1987, it opened at number one. Huh. That's funny. It beat the gate by... Less than $100,000. That's funny, too, because Gate's a horror movie, and horror movies traditionally don't do all super great for comparatively. Yeah. Secret of My Success was third. It wasn't way behind. But Ishtar beat the Gate by 
80,000, less than 80,000, $75,000. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Easy. Yeah. Oh, so do you have, you had a trivia question. Do you have a trivia question. Very, uh, very hard trivia question, but it'll be quick. Oh, I like it hard. Yeah. Uh, what do you think uh. of Joyce? <clears throat> what two planets in the solar system rotate clockwise? So <laughs> I'm trying to think if earth is one of them. What, what fucking way do we rotate? Uh, if you, well, okay, this might help you. I don't know. It may not help you. It wouldn't help me, and I, I find myself fascinated by astronomy. Um, if you're looking down on the North Pole of the, all the planets, only two right. of them rotate clockwise. Everything else rotates counterclockwise. The solar system, the planets rotate around the sun clockwise. So there are two planets that are rotating in the same direction as all the planets rotate around the sun. All the other planets rotate counterclockwise. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to picture it. Earth is not one of them. Correct. Okay. I want to say Saturn. Nope. <laughs> but, but I like the face you Saturn. made when you made that guess. See, no, listen to my <laughs> words. I want you to say Saturn, but then you cut me off and you didn't let me finish. But I don't want, <laughs> but I'm not going to say Saturn. That's totally what the sentence was going well to be. Well played. I, I want to say Jupiter. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. I, I, I know you, I know you want to. <laughs> but are you going to? Oh, man, I really have no idea. I'm going to say, okay, final answer. I'm going to say Uranus because yes. I just want to say Uranus. Yes, Uranus is one of them. Nice. My, my Uranus always is so, clockwise. Now you got to throw a dart at the dartboard and tell me what the other one is. Uh, Mercury. Uh, you're off by one planet. Uh, Venus. Yep. Damn. Venus and Uranus <laughs> uh, both rotate clockwise where everything else rotates counterclockwise. Women are from Venus. Men are from Uranus. <laughs> Dirty. want to stare at Uranus from behind a plastic fern in the hallway. <laughs> Uranus is one of the biggest. Plastic ferns never big enough to cover Uranus. <laughs> What's your trivia question? Uh, mine's eh. It's, eh? Eh. No, okay. Here it is. Go. This, I'm trying to think of how to word it without giving it away. This phenomena, this social artifact, social movement, I don't know. Just, that's not the right word. This thing, this modern phenomenon, is responsible for more deaths every year than sharks. So it's a natural phenomenon. No, no, no. It's a it's a social thing. It's a it's a cultural thing. Okay, so do. a cultural phenomenon kills more people every year than sharks. Than sharks. Okay, let me break down my thought process. Okay. Okay. Cultural phenomenon that kills people immediately. I think suicide, but suicide numbers would blow shark deaths shark attacks or whatever out of the water right pun intended mm. they would sharknado that shit right out of those <laughs> so it has to be something that you would think doesn't kill people at all right but it does and pe- there are i want to say less than a hundred probably less than 10 people killed per year by sharks i feel like 10 low but maybe yeah maybe it's got to be less than 100 i mean yeah right so it's got a this cultural phenomenon kills more than a hundred people every year. Mm-hmm. Now I want to say jaywalking, <laughs> which may be true, but it's just not the one I'm looking at right here. No, I was just trying to trick you the way you trick by saying I want to say something. Oh God! Therefore, gonna... therefore I eliminate it. Ooh, look at you! You turn my strength into my weakness. Ah. <laughs> uh... God, that's hard. I, I don't even know. Um, I want to say window cleaning. Think, okay, I'll, I'll narrow it down. <laughs> that's window. an occupation. 
See, this is horrible because all the things you're saying could probably be true because they, they always throw this up there to try to make something sound significant or stark as, oh, this kills more people than sharks. But sharks kill barely anybody. Like cows kill more people than sharks every year. Right. So I'll narrow it down. Think um, teenage girls. <laughs> I'm always thinking about teenage girls. Mm. So. Teenage girls kill more people than sharks. Well, it's actually probably true. <laughs> teenage cat girls in heat. You ever seen that movie? No. Should I? No. Uh, the title says it all it's a it's a like a trauma film like a modern b it's like a low budget on purpose kind of movie sounds like uh she devils on wheels you should see that everybody should see see she devils on wheels it's hilarious because it's one of those movies that's hilarious because it doesn't try to be hilarious it's trying to be serious movie so it's funny as shit because it's terrible and goblins uh troll 2 troll 2 is like considered like the worst the best worst film of all time there's a documentary about it which one is Jennifer Aniston in? That's uh, that's Leprechaun. Oh, my bad. Troll, Leprechaun. Mm. Yeah. Troll 1 was actually a serviceable horror movie that had Julia Louis-Dreyfus in it. But Troll 2 was fucking bad shit. Like somebody sat down and said, yes, we're going to put this out there. And it was start to finish just insane, insane, just bad acting, bad lines, bad props, bad everything, bad effects. But it was supposed to be a serious horror movie. And it's so hilarious because of that. Like, I love that idea that, Something that's supposed to be serious is so bad that's it's funny. So She Devils on Wheels is something everybody should watch. It's great. Are you ready for my answer? I'm ready. Final answer, applying makeup. Applying makeup is probably the first step before this happened. Selfies. Selfies. Damn. Selfies I don't... kill more people every year than sharks. Like every once in a while, I'll see a headline on the news that somebody fell off a cliff trying to take a selfie. And yeah. like, I want to say that's natural selection. <laughs> exactly. You are you know, filming like themselves in the walking in traffic, some bullshit like that. Yeah, like I know it's a tragedy because somebody died. Well, but also you kind of are weeding out the bad. Exactly, genes. the gene pool's stronger because of this. <laughs> yeah, God. Like selfies. I'm not gonna say they deserve to die. Okay, yeah, yeah, you deserve to die if you if you die because you took a selfie. You deserve it. Yeah. Well, you have to be careful when you're taking. You a can burn in hell. <laughs> Have you never taken a selfie, or have you taken a selfie? I, I did once. Yeah, I think I did once. Yeah, I know. Shit, I think I did one time, one singular nope. time. Well, I don't know if it's the one you're talking about, but I know you've taken another selfie. It's when you when we had the Walking Dead app, and you could take a selfie of yourself, and it would turn yourself into a zombie. Yeah, was that a selfie, or was that? Did you take that, a picture of me? Because we're sitting for the lockers. I remember. Yeah, like I almost swore maybe, that you took a picture. Maybe. Well, I take a lot of pictures of you that you don't know about, but that behind one in particular. Fern, yeah. Not with you. I hide behind the plastic fern. and Yeah. Uh, anyway. Plastic fern covers all sin. <laughs> Nobody sees me. They, they they might smell me, but they don't see me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They know me by my stench. <laughs> Signature smell. Signature smell. Don't call it a stench. Okay. It's my, it's my odor. Right. Halitosis. Is my signature <laughs> stench. Signature uh, smell. Yeah. My scent. Smell. Scent. Pheromone? Oh, Defern. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got to talk about comedies. Yes. And I'm glad that we're talking about genres. It's It's been great talking yes. about genres. We have... to really examine what you, why you like what you like. We have Which a pretty interesting one coming up. We're doing thrillers. Ah, a very involved one with special guest stars. Yes. Probably. Well, we'll have at least a special guest. Yes. Who knows if he sparkles like a star? Well, I think he does when he's, you know, behind the fern. When he's when he's sparkling like a vampire in the sun. When, when I watch him from behind the fern, I, I like to imagine he sparkles. Mm. <laughs>
<sighs> what are some thrillers? Give me a thriller. Uh, Michael Jackson. Yeah. You, you see what I did there? I see exactly what you did there. Yeah. I'm trying I'm trying to move past it, but <laughs> oh, come on. That was genius. It was. Here. That okay. was comedic gold. Give me give me a th- a thriller. Uh Silence of the Lambs. Basic instinct. Seven. The usual suspect. Um Jesus, now I'm trying to blank. <laughs> what about LA Confidential? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like it, it, any ki- any crime drama you could probably throw into the thriller category. Mm-hmm. As long as there's not too much action. If it has too much action, then it's just a, like Lethal Weapon would not call a thriller. That's just an action flick. Yeah, agreed. But this is we should we should save this. I know we'll we'll save it. I just I kind of wanted to hint tease. That's a tease. Yes. I wanted to tease it. Tease it. I like Flick teasing. It. I like teasing it. Tickle it. You got anything All else? Right. That's I am I am my funny bonus drained. It's a puddle on the floor. No, that's not your funny bone drained. There's a different reason. There's a puddle on the floor. I uh I have to tell myself certain things so I can live with myself. Please ah. don't please don't move that curtain and reveal the wizard. <laughs> the wizard. <All> right. <laughs> if you have nothing else, I will bid you adieu. Okay. And who I'm, are you? I am uh plastic fern Uranus saying <laughs> Adios. Yep. And I am Bob, uh Scarface teenage girl scully. <laughs> Bob, the Simpsons did it, Scully. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. Well, dip me in your Monday milk. Oak nugget. See ya. Bye-bye.